2: Hi, and welcome to episode 179 of a Love Food Podcast. I am Julie Duffy Dillon, registered dietitian and partner on your food peace journey. I'm so glad you're here. Thank you for connecting today. And if you're new to the Love Food Podcast, well, let me fill you in on what we're going to do today. This is what we do every time we meet. I have a letter from someone who has a complicated relationship with food. And as I go through the letter, we kind of sift through it and dissect it and try to find different ways to approach it. At the end of the show, what happens is really cool. Food writes back and gives the solutions and what I hope to be a therapeutic kind of present wrapped up with a big shiny bow that allows people to have more tools and more access to food peace. And food peace is a way of Reconnecting and rekindling your relationship with food so you can feel more at home in your own skin. It's a lot. I know it's a lot, but it's really important. Part of the journey is individual and part of it is countercultural. We live in a world that hasn't recovered from its own eating disorder yet, and yet we're supposed to heal our own relationship with food. We don't get to live in a bubble. So a lot of this work is also joining together, rallying together to help change how we think about bodies. And some of the work does begin within. So I have a letter today from someone who is trying so hard to recover from their eating disorder. And their eating disorder started from being teased by someone while they're in middle school. And before they were teased, their relationship with food was kinda meh. It wasn't that challenging. It was kinda boring. Oh, so blissful and I almost like a ignorance is bliss kind of thing. But once that trauma happened, and I do think body talk that is disparaging is traumatic. It is really harmful, especially when our body image is forming as an adolescent. But when we are trying to recover from that trauma and recover from an eating disorder, and our body is maybe not going to look like how the world says it's supposed to look. What I mean is some people are supposed to be in fat bodies. That's when their body is the most well. I don't know if that's correct with the grammar and everything, but you know, for a lot of people, that's just how their body is supposed to be. And that's where their body, when it's gone through the healing process and they're eating enough, their body's going to be larger. And what this letter writer is basically trying to decipher is, can they let their body just be the way it's supposed to be. And the letter, I wanted to give you a heads up, just as like a content warning, this person does discuss their fear of weight gain. I'm not sure if the person lives in a larger body or not outside of this eating disorder. So I know for many people, um, that is something that is not what they wanna hear about, especially if this person is in a smaller body and fearing being in a larger body. So I wanted to give you that heads up. But we do sift through it, and I hope I have some solutions that, Will just be good experiments for this person to feel hope again in the process. But before we get to this episode's letter, I want to let you know that I have started a new project that's called the After the Letters Project. It is a weekly mini episode podcast that I'm having over, I'm hosting rather over on Patreon. You can get to it at patreon.com/slash/lovefoodpodcast. I do weekly mini episodes where we dive really deep into your questions about your own food peace journey. There's also other ways to support the show over on Patreon, and I appreciate your support in advance. I also want to let you know that I have a solution for those of you who have PCOS and are wanting to do intuitive eating work, or you want to move away from diets, but you've been told that you have to diet in order to manage your PCOS you do not. You do not have to diet. I have lots of resources that you can find for free on my blog at juliedillonrd.com slash PCOS. I also did a PCOS and Food Peace podcast last year that you can find on iTunes, but I also have a course. If you're wanting to do a deeper dive, check it out over at PCOSandfoodpeace.com. All right, enough of all that. Let's get to this episode's letter. So head to myeq.com and use code FOODVOICE for 15% off Equilibria's microbiome defense and much more. That's myeq.com and use code FOODVOICE at checkout for 15% off site-wide today. All right, let's get back to the show.
1: Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app.
2: Dear Food, my relationship with you has not always been like this. For the majority of my life, I loved you, but at the same time, I did not pay much attention to you. I ate what was on my plate, never denied a piece of cake, and never even thought of the idea of dieting. But as most nice things do, this eventually came to an end, thanks to a boy in my class. This boy said, instead of strawberry shortcake, people should call me strawberry fat cake. And the entire class laughed. As you can imagine, eighth grade me was mortified, and I decided not to eat for X amount of time. I realized this was not healthy. My mom ensured me that I was, in fact, not fat, and that if she was concerned about my health, she would take me to the doctor. So I eventually returned to my old ways. Then I entered my freshman year of high school, surrounded by girls I thought to be much more prettier and skinnier than me. So around Christmas, with the help of lovely diet pages on Instagram, I decided to lose weight. I cut down on calories slowly and slowly and eventually decided that X amount was my max amount per day. Fast forward to July, X pounds lighter and a diagnosis of anorexia. And I just have to say that recovery is the hardest thing in the world. I feel like I'm always eating, and I'm beyond scared to eat when I'm not hungry or to gain weight. It is pretty miserable food, and I just want to forget about you. But the real reason that I'm writing you is that I feel like there is no way I will ever enjoy you again. How will you not make me shake at the thought of you? What if I like you too much and get fat again? How will I eat the same food again and not get fat? My goodness, the list goes on. I just need your help, food. I need to know you won't hurt me again. Sincerely, wanting but scared to recover. Hey there, letter writer. Thank you so much for your note. I really appreciate it. And you know, recovery is really hard work and it's good work. It's important work. And I'm so glad that you've connected with resources that are allowing you to begin to heal. And really, I think that's where you are. You're at the beginning. And it's so hard to see what it's going to look like a month from now, six months from now, a year from now. And I hope this conversation right now gives you some insight into the possibilities. Because what I read... And what I was thinking about when I read your note is you need hope. More than anything, you need hope. And dieting and the pursuit of weight loss, the reason why they are so successful at getting us trapped in their systems is they do that. They're really seductive and they make us feel so much hope. The hope is fucked up. It is um, bigoted. It is really problematic on many levels, but it does. Dieting makes us feel hopeful. But there are other ways for you to feel hopeful and like I said I feel like that's what you need. And so I do hope this gives you some clarity. I appreciate that your main question is how how do I enjoy food again? Will I ever be able to enjoy food again? And in order to answer that, I think we need to start closer to where things started to get really hard with that trauma. Yes you experienced trauma with that comment about your body. You were moving along through life in your earth earth suit in a way that felt innate. You were taking care of it. You were feeding it the way it needed to, and you were giving it just the amount of attention that we were designed to have. And that's pretty amazing. It's becoming more rare and rare because of that sneaky, seductive diet culture that we were just really sifting through. But Yeah, you experienced this jolt, this kind of lion that started to chase you, which was that your body was wrong, that there was something wrong with it. You were shamed. And I feel like I just want to say, I'm sorry that that happened to you. I'm so sorry. That should not have happened to you. That was not okay. And I'm assuming no one stepped up and told that boy that what he was doing was wrong because it typically doesn't happen like that. Usually it's just put under the rug and it carries so much weight. So letter writer, I wasn't able to really glean what type of body you're living in right now. And it's important for a reason. For many people, their body, after it's gone through nutritional rehabilitation, so if they have been experimenting with eating disorder behaviors going through starvation or restricting or dieting, whatever you want to call it, and then gone through the process of eating appropriately. As a dietitian, I call that nutritional rehabilitation. Once a person has gone through that, for some people, their body looks like what the world deems as acceptable. Maybe it's a BMI of 20 to 25, however we want to like quantify it. But for some people, that's what their body, after it's gone through the healing process, will look like. And for most people, that's not what it's going to look like. For most people, their body in recovery is going to be larger than a BMI of 25 because most of us have a BMI of more than 25. So, um, in a recovered body, and when I say recovered, I don't necessarily mean in the eating disorder term, but just in the term of nutritionally rehabilitated, a body that has gone through that healing process is going to need to weigh what it needed to weigh before the process started. And so much of that is genetically determined. And some of it's other things too, but it just is what it is. The body needs to return to the state that it was at. And I'm not sure because I know your, your mom gave you a comment about your body size. And I don't know if that was a reassurance just so you weren't fearful of a body or if she had her own internalized fat phobia of like, no, I don't want my daughter to call herself that word because it's a dirty word. Um, But what I'm going to go ahead and assume just for the next few minutes is that your body, once it's gone through nutritional rehabilitation, is larger. It's a fat body. And I say that for uh, many reasons, namely because for most people, that's what it's going to look like. And I also think that's the hardest way to move through recovery is into a body that maybe a doctor would say is just not right. Or that the world is going to be constantly re-traumatizing because our world is just it just hasn't recovered from its own eating disorder yet, and even more, no matter what your body size ends up being once it's going gone through rehabilitation, letter writer, no matter what the size is, helping the bo- the the world rather to be safer for all bodies helps everyone because. If we didn't have fat phobia, if we didn't have this kind of seductive, problematic diet culture as the normal eating for today, then recovery would be so much easier for everyone because the fear of weight gain that is part of the diagnostic criteria for anorexia nervosa will We live in a world where everyone's fearing weight gain. I say everyone. I don't mean everyone, but collectively, it's kind of like this normal way of being at this point. So if that was no longer normal, I think the fear of weight gain would have a much looser grip. I want to move on and address one particular part of the letter. For you, the listener, you may relate to this part. I know it's something that a lot of people bring up when I talk to them about healing their relationship with food. And that's this experience of feeling like you're always eating. And when the body has gone through prolonged starvation and restricting, and that may be through some conventional kind of acceptable diet, doesn't matter. But when it's gone through that kind of holding its breath, basically, and depriving it of oxygen, if we can kind of relate breathing like eating... When our body finally gets oxygen again, it's not going to take breaths like we've been breathing all along. It's going to be like doing these deep, dramatic inhales. And it's going to do that for a while until it really meets its needs. That's what goes on with nutritional rehabilitation. The body needs a significant amount of food in order to really heal. And it's going to feel like Oh my gosh, I am binging. Oh my gosh, I can't stop eating. Um, You may use words like "I feel out of control," and you know our food is not meant to be controlled. It's meant to just be like breathing. Like we don't think about breathing except right now that we bring it up. But it's meant to just be innate for you, letter writer. Just like before, before that trauma you experienced when your body was pointed out as wrong. You know, you didn't think about food and. Part of your recovery is getting back to that. And I do think you can get back to that. But for now, what it's going to feel like, because that, that experience you had with that trauma, you know, your brain and your body remember that trauma. And the way that our body connects with trauma is in a physiological way. You know, our body thinks sort of like we're running from a lion and there's adrenaline. There is um, an increase in triglycerides and insulin and cortisol because our body needs to utilize the energy to run from that lion at the moment's notice. And when our body has been through that trauma with body image and we live in a world that is constantly re-traumatizing us and we're having to heal our body with food, Your body's going to send that message. It's going to be like, holy shit, you have to run from the lion. So every bite of food is going to feel like you're having to eat it in the lion's den. And it's still the right thing to do. But I think it's important to name that it's going to feel wrong. And as your body gets to a point where it has lots of exposure, and it's way more than we think it's going to need, but lots of exposure with eating enough food, enough variety, enough pleasure with food. This can take a really long time, months, years. That's totally common in all of this. Once it does that, it no longer feels like it's running from a lion. And again, that's why I feel really pulled to call out diet culture when I see it. And even in places like this podcast, because we need to remove that constant re-traumatization that you're experiencing, letter writer, and anyone who can identify with your experience. And so as you go through nutritional rehabilitation, as your body starts to heal, it won't feel quite as energetically activated. <laughs> and keep in mind, you have to eat every day, many times throughout the day. I know I've, I've read research before that we make at least 200 food decisions a day, every single day. And so 200 plus times a day, it's going to be poking a stick at that bear, right? Which is like the eating disorder, the lion that we may be running from. And it's it's hard. It just is really hard. And so some of this work, there's no fancy kind of solution. There's no slick kind of mantra I can give you besides keep doing the work. And all of us together need to keep fighting diet culture in order for you to have Spaces to feel okay in your own skin. All right. So, last thing that I want to dive into is your main question Will you ever enjoy food again? And I say yes. Yes, you will enjoy food again. And this is why I think this way you have really clear memories of enjoying food, you remember when food was nothing it had no activation. You can connect to those experiences. And because food was boring, I have a feeling food also has some positive experiences too, that you have a memory of maybe a birthday celebration or maybe some kind of experience over Christmas or Hanukkah, or maybe you heard the ice cream truck coming down your street when you were 10 years old. And you remember running out there after scrounging to get all the coins in the couch to be able to get the one you wanted. And all your friends in the neighborhood, everyone was hot and sweaty, but you got to eat this cold, creamy, sweet ice cream that just is such a warm, fuzzy memory, even though it's like cold food, but still like a super warm, fuzzy memory. And it probably is clear for you, letter writer, and I bet for you listener too, I have a feeling that you have a memory that's similar to that. So the key to enjoying food again is not necessarily putting the pressure on the moment when we're eating food that quote unquote should be enjoyable. The key is outside of a meal or snack time when we're not actually eating, getting to a place where we can really rekindle the experiences that brought pleasure to the eating experience outside of just the food. It's naming that it was a connector. I know I think a lot about my grandmother who died a few years ago. And when she would prepare certain foods, I really miss having her around. And when I eat those foods, it allows me to connect with that experience. And part of that was doing some work with my therapist, naming some of the connections and conversations that I had with her over these foods. And so for you, Letter Writer, I wonder if there's certain foods that you think of that remind you of childhood. Maybe it's like ice cream from the ice cream truck, or maybe it's macaroni cheese that you would have that someone special would make for you. And try to really name all those connections and memories that you have around certain foods and not necessarily making them right now but just really putting them all on paper and also connecting to other things besides the actual eating of the food but maybe the music again like the ice cream truck hearing that music whenever i hear it i immediately can taste that food and it brings joy it bypasses basically that eating disorder and the trauma that we experienced and allows us to connect with the pleasure behind that eating experience and you may also have certain types of temperatures, like maybe it was hot outside or cold outside and not necessarily the food temperature, but just like the temperature around you. And if the smells don't feel threatening, I know sometimes food smells can feel threatening, but if the smells like maybe you were on vacation and you smelled uh, suntan lotion, and that's how you remember like your favorite lemonade that you used to drink, you know, try to connect to all the different senses that were involved with it too. And- as you do that, just reliving those connections is basically giving you exposure to that food. It's not all of it, but it's a way to start. And your brain needs to have a refresher on these joyful, pleasurable experiences that food bring that's outside of just the, the nourishment. The nourishment's important. As a dietitian. I think it's really important. But I think having those memories allows you to get the exposure started. And the more that our brain is exposed to a food, including just the memories, it allows it to really feel meh about it again. The way that you experienced food before the trauma was meh. It was was just kind of was there. And it sounds like that's what you want to get back to. And I think by allowing yourself to connect to what food brought to you, what was like around it, that's going to be really the way to go. And from there, what I do with clients when I work with them individually is we make a list of all the foods that are really hard and challenging, which usually include foods that are super pleasurable and important, and making a list and then ranking them on a scale of one to 10 with which ones are the easiest and which ones are the hardest. And for some people, they want to jump right into the tens, the ones that are the scariest and the hardest. And for some people, they're like, nope, I want to start with one and work my way up. You can do that. That's fine. It's all on your timeline. But here's the cool part of all this. As you go through starting at the ones that feel safe enough, as you get exposure, the ones that are tens will become nines and then they'll become eights and then they'll become sevens. And as long as you don't kiss just keep staying with the ones, you know keep pushing forward, eventually you'll get through all of the foods. Eventually, you'll get through all of them. and eventually you will enjoy eating again. So so there you have it, letter writer. I hope this has been helpful. I hope that you feel hope again, that yes, yes, you will enjoy eating again. Food will bring pleasure again. And the way to do it is give your body permission to be whatever it needs to be and then rekindle all of those connections that food brought you so far in life. So I see that food is written back. But before we get to food's letter, if you enjoyed this episode of the Love Food Podcast, I would love it if you left a rating, review, subscribed, or shared the show. Doing any of those acts of kindness really helps the show grow. If you experience PCOS or polycystic ovarian syndrome and looking for more tools to move away from dieting and promote health, check out my courses at PCOS and Lastly, if you are looking for more ways to promote food peace in your life, I have a new podcast that I have been putting together that is hosted over on Patreon. I do weekly episodes that answer your letters to give you a deeper dive into ways to promote food peace. You can check out all the details and more ways to support the Love Food Podcast at patreon.com slash podcasts. All right, that's everything for today. And until next time, take care. Dear wanting, but scared to recover. You and your body used to live in blissful harmony. We food didn't seem to bring about any charge until that day. That comment that brought on so much shame. Your body remembers it and has tried to protect you, but this eating disorder has also brought harm. That protection has also blocked you from food's nurturing pleasure and connection. Remember how you used to connect to food. Write down who was at the table, what you heard, what you smelled, and how you felt. Start with foods that are just mildly challenging and give it time and exposure. This is hard work and good work. Letting your body be and enjoy food again will give you power to be you again. Love food. Thank you for listening. I am Julie Duffy Dillon, and this is a Love Food podcast. Do you want access to more food peace? Jump on over to my website and join my email list. There, I share exclusive content that I don't share anywhere else get access to these tips and strategies by going to juliedillonrd.com forward slash sign up. And I look forward to seeing you here next week for another episode of the Love Food Podcast. Take care.